communication is the key to expression, and as an actor, it's your ticket to independence, your platform for inclusion, and your vehicle to be heard and seen. For Sean Tyler Foley, he's on a mission to help his fellow actors communicate their own messages effectively, cultivate their own prosperity, and enjoy all the fruits and labors of what comes from a great acting career. He's an actor and producer with more than 30 years of experience, and He's also a safety consultant. He's the owner and principal consultant of Total Buy-In, which provides leadership and direction to clients to ensure compliance with applicable laws and regulations and fulfilled adherence to statutory norms. To provide assurances for safety management, policies, and procedures. It's a lot for one person to undertake, but this proud Canadian does it all, and he even found some time in his schedule this week to join me to tell me how he gets it all done. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Welcome here to the program, and I'm excited to learn all about your acting career and what uh, keeps you busy these days out there in Alberta. Great to be with you this afternoon, and uh, thanks so much for being here. All right, well, let's have this conversation, Kevin. Absolutely, Tyler. I'm going to start you off by asking you, uh, what do you think is the key to getting over the fear of public speaking, because I know uh, from doing my research on you that uh, you've had a time or two to do that uh, in the past. So uh, I'm wondering your thoughts there as well. Well, so the honestly, the real key to it is knowing that we don't actually have a fear of public speaking. Uh, the majority of us public speak on a day-to-day -day basis. Anytime you're interacting with somebody and having conversation outside of your bedroom, you are speaking in public. And so we all speak in public. Really what it is, is people have a fear of judgment. So we're afraid that the things that we're going to say are going to be judged or misunderstood or not heard, or that we're not really sure ourselves of what we are of our, of our own messaging. And so I think the key to getting over the fear of public speaking is really addressing the fear of judgment and recognizing that what you have to say is important, that your story matters, and that by sharing your story, you can have impact. And I think focusing on the positives that outweigh the negatives is the real key to getting 
more comfortable with spreading your message and public speaking. And Tyler, as you know, there's no more public of public speaking than being an actor. And I know that you have uh, about three decades plus experience in that field. So I'm wondering if you have a couple of stories you might want to share about your time of your time as an actor and how it's impacted your life today. Yeah, well, so being given the gift of performance at a very early age, I started in uh, theater when I was six years old. And that, I mean, it's one of the greatest things that I was ever given because I was able to get up on stage before I even knew to be afraid of getting up on stage, right? If anybody who's a parent will know that when you have a young child, you have to be fearful for them because children have no fear. And so for me, the theater was just a, a place to play and, and have fun. And I've, I've had some fantastic opportunities because of the performing arts. I got to, I've been able to morph into Freddy Krueger uh, doing a Freddy versus Jason. I've got to jam with William H. Macy when I was filming Door to Door. I even got to have my pretty mug show up on <laughs> the Golden Globes when Dame Helen Mirren won her Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress because the clip that they played at the Golden Globes was the scene that me, her, and Bill did from door to door. So I, I don't know. It's just been a fascinating ride to, to be able to do some of those cool things and to get to do some really interesting behind-the-scenes stuff too. Like some of my favorite memories from working in the arts is not the performances themselves, but the friends that I've made. I went to a fine arts high school, and I'm still very good friends with a core group of about 15 of us that went through the program together and we keep in touch regularly even to distances like i was at a, a wedding in thailand of all places and was able to meet up with my friend greg and we have you know at that time probably 15 or 20 years separation time wise but we were able to meet up in a foreign country and talk as though no time had passed so really the greatest gift that I got out of my 35 years. And thank you for calling it three decades. I feel old now, Kevin, <laughs> is um, that uh, I have some of the best relationships and friendships that, that really run deep. Yeah, absolutely. I like to uh, keep things authentic. So uh, I'm glad I could make you age yourself a little bit, Tyler, but that's okay. <laughs> And Tyler, I'm, I'm curious to also ask you about uh, the anticipated return of community theater and Broadway and how do you think that might be received once it gets back in full swing? You know what? I have a feeling that we are going to see packed houses for months because I think so many of us are craving community, social contact, and entertainment too. Like, yeah, it's great that Netflix is having a surge and boom in viewership because we're all stuck in our homes watching TV. But there's, there's a magic when it comes to live theater, particularly musicals, and the ability to be transported out of reality. And I think there's, there's such a need for it right now to be entertained, to feel community too. Like, it's one thing to be watching a comedy on your couch in your living room and see something that's funny and laugh. But when you have that same experience in a theater, particularly live, 
and you can feel an entire auditorium laugh with you. It, it, there's just a magic in it. And I know I'm um, helping produce a play right now, a musical, really good one, written by an incredible Canadian uh, singer-songwriter, Juno-nominated Canadian singer-songwriter, Marin Burnham, formerly Marin Ort. And uh, she's written a musical called The Gardener. And we were in pre-production right when the COVID um, shutdown happened. And so we're, we're just waiting to be able to cast that show and to mount it. And I suspect that you will see a, a massive resurgence in the arts because I think people understand now just how important they are for social well-being, mental health. All of the benefits that come from seeing live performance uh, is necessary. And I'm also curious to get your thoughts on any piece of advice that you may have for young, young actors who may want to enter the field. I'd say do it. I, if you even think for a second that you're, you're interested in this field, then do it. And do it because you love the theater. Uh, the worst reason to get into the arts is because you want money. <laughs> if you want money, become an investment broker. If you want to have an incredibly rewarding career that brings you joy, get into the arts. Um, you can make a living doing it. I was blessed because for uh, all of my early 20s, up until my mid-20s, my sole source of income was acting and performing. And I was able to do it simply because I didn't listen to anybody else tell me that I couldn't. The number of people who told me that it wasn't a real job and that I needed to get a real job, I was astronomical. It was not even a 10 to one, it was a hundred to one of the naysayers to the supporters. And yet I was able to not only do it professionally and live on my own in Vancouver, which is, you know, the, I lived in Vancouver and Toronto, the two most expensive cities in Canada, working strictly in the arts. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. The, you just have to know what your goal is and not give up because it's a tough go. I booked one in 10 roles. So you're going to hear a lot of rejection, but you got to remember, they're not rejecting you. If you don't book a role, it's not because you don't have talent. It's not because you're not good enough and it's not because you can't make it in this business. It's because you just weren't right for the role. And there are a thousand reasons, trust me, as somebody who is now on the other side of the casting couch and who sees where uh, performance is and where we need to, all the decisions that go into it, like we need to make sure that you work with an ensemble, that you're, you are the right look, that you can carry, you know, particularly with the musicals, that you can sing in the right range and that you're the right just fit for the role. And it has nothing to do with talent. I've seen so many talented people not get a role and it had nothing to do with their talent. It was because we needed somebody who was five foot four and they were five foot eight. I'm curious, just before we move on to the second part of the interview, you shared with me before this started that you had some friends in the accessibility space and advocating for folks with disabilities. And I'm curious to ask you about the performing arts and cultivating 
uh, more opportunities for actors with disabilities in order to show a diversity both on screen and on the Broadway stages. Well, what do you think is the key uh, to getting that done? I think awareness, like anything, if you if it isn't brought to your attention, um, you don't know that it's an issue. I look at you know the even the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. I, until something is brought to your attention, you can be so oblivious to it. And, and what you were referencing, my friend Tanel Bolt, who is just a phenomenal advocate for accessibility. Um, <clears throat> she runs Barrier Free Access, and uh, she's a uh, Barrier Free Access recreation consultant based off of the West Coast. She's actually recently just launched a program called Soulfly Experiences that is designed specifically to um, promote accessible travel for everyone. And I think that it's so important. So when I have my conversations with her, she opens my eyes to, to an area that I didn't realize existed. And so if we wanna see more inclusivity on Broadway, and I think it needs to be done, Kevin, I think that that's a, it needs to be shown and because the world is a diverse place, that it becomes a matter of having voices like yours who can stand up and say, look, I'm, I don't have representation in your medium. And I look at like, think, like your um, talk that you had uh, recently with um, Dr. Tim Swenson on putting uh, adaptive physical education in, forward. That, <clears throat> that just shows that we need to, that there is an issue there that we, you know, particularly in the school system that we need to be making sure that anybody who has accessibility issues is, is addressed as well. Because if, if nobody speaks up, if nobody says, look, this is broken, nobody knows to fix it, right? The, the leak just sits there and suddenly you have a flood. So I think having people like you, having people like Tanel, who can be voices for a community that is underserved is critical. And getting that message out there that, hey, I, I don't see myself in film. I, don't, I certainly don't see myself in theater. Like, let's get more of me. I want representation and bringing that to the table. Or doing it yourself. I challenge you this, Kevin. You want to see more representation? Write the show for you and I will produce it. I might actually take you up on that. So be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so, hey, uh, Tyler, I know that you've lived all across Canada. And I have to tell you, if you live in Vancouver and Toronto and uh, make a living strictly off the arts, you know how to stretch a dollar there, Tyler. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I but do. My, my question for you, Tyler, is what's the best part about living in Canada and uh, what, what's been your favorite place to live across the country? Well, I mean, I always come back to Calgary because Calgary is home. I, and we have, you know what? We are so blessed in this country. Vancouver is beautiful. Toronto has its charm. Montreal is stunning. Uh, I've lived in New Brunswick. I've lived in Nova Scotia. I've, I've basically been in almost every province at some point in my life. And coast to coast, I think one of the biggest benefits that we have is just how vast this land is. 
Like if you don't like one set of uh, climate, even you just <laughs> move a border <laughs> and all of a sudden you're in a new area. I, I remember getting tired of, of Vancouver just being too busy and bustly and moving to Penticton just to be in the interior in the Okanagan um, and interior BC is, is spectacular. And even how diverse that is, like where I was in the Okanagan is uh, just almost tropical with how warm it is in the summer. You have really mild winters, but you still have the snow. Like one of the things that I missed living in Vancouver was the snow dumps that I would get in Calgary. And in Penticton, you could have three, four feet of snow and two incredible ski hills within an hour's drive. And so it reminded me of living in Calgary a lot. But then you go even 20 minutes south and you're in arid desert land. And it reminded me again of being in Alberta and close to the Badlands. And then you go out to the West Coast or the East Coast and we have unspoiled coastline that is pristine that you just don't see in other parts of the world. I mean, I've lived in Australia, I've lived in Malaysia, I've visited numerous countries, Dubai, and no matter where we are, I come back to Canada and it feels like home. And I think we're very lucky in that we have a mostly inclusive society. There is always room to improve, but we're not that bad here. And I think the fact that we are hard on ourselves and go, well, how can we do better is a testament to us as a Canadian people. And the fact that we have the ability to freely traverse a massive amount of land. If I want to drive coast to coast and I do it and I don't stop anywhere, it still takes six days. Like how blessed are we to be in a country that you to explore it properly takes months, if not years. We are blessed. Uh, as you were giving your answer, Tyler, I was seeing the Molson Canadian, proud to be Canadian commercial in my head. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Please play that at some point. Uh, just for you, I might actually do that. Uh, and I know that uh, you've also written some successful books in the past, and I know that you're always open to writing another one to so tell me about the messages that you hope to deliver in the books that you write. Well, so my current book, The Power to Speak Naked, which thank you for pointing out is a number one bestseller uh, and is actually going to be re-released through an incredible publisher, Morgan James, and is going to be available in bookstores across the globe on September 7th. Um, the main messages that I that I wrote in that book and what I advocate in all of my works, whether they're, they're my training programs or small little manuals that I put together or even the future books that I am and will be writing, ultimately come down to the fact that I feel everyone has a message. Everyone has a story to tell. And I think the more we tell each other's stories, the more I hear about you, Kevin, and what makes you tick and the circumstances that brought you to be here, you know, from being a, a media journalist graduate to being an advocate and, and a good advocate for accessibility and for inclusion, like why, you know, and I love delving into those deeper stories. And, the, and I firmly, firmly believe that 
everybody has a story. Everybody listening to this podcast right now, your audience has a message, has a story, and they, it has the ability to change the world because if I can see the world through your eyes, if you can show me a glimpse into your world, I have empathy for you. And now I have the ability to understand why you are driven to do the things that you do. And then I can get on board with that messaging and I can figure out ways that I can help and support it. And so everything that I do, my entire life's work is dedicated to making sure that people can say their story, tell their message, whether it's fictional or non-fictional. You know, I, I will produce musicals for friends because I believe in their works just the same as I am going to instruct people like Tanel to come up and say, hey, this is my situation. This is how I feel about it. And this is the change that I want to see so that we can get that messaging out. I think everybody has a story to tell and I want them to tell it effectively. And now you spend your days as the principal consultant and owner of a company called uh, Total Buy. So I'm wondering if we can dive a little bit uh, deeper into that and the mission behind the efforts. So Total Buy-In started as a safety consulting company. So I um, am a safety professional and I specialize in health and safety programs, auditing programs and training programs. And what I found was as I grew and matured within my craft, that I was using a lot of the skills that I learned acting and performing to be a better consultant. Uh, part of it came from active listening. I think one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about being a good actor is being a good actor has less to do with how you deliver the lines and more about how you listen and respond to the other people that you are performing with. Because how they speak and react influences and impacts what should be your honest reaction to that situation. And so active listening is very critical in a good performance. And when I became a safety consultant, I used that. I, I listened to what clients had to say when I was instructing classes. I listened to what the participants had to say. And I adapted my material the same way that I would in the arts to it. And it became really effective. And as I did this, and as my reputation as a safety trainer and auditor grew, a lot of what came back to me was, well, you're so good at this. You know, you're so good leading these meetings. You're so good at conducting these interviews. You're so good when you do this training. And as, as great as it was to hear for my ego, and let me tell you, it always feels good to hear how great you are. I wanted to know why, because I, don't, I honestly don't think that there was anything particularly special about me. And so I started doing the deep dive into why I was so good at facilitating these meetings and facilitating these trainings. And it came down to the art of performance. And really, it came down to very actively listening and addressing my audience's needs. And so total buy-in has morphed over the last year and a half from strictly a safety consulting company, which it still is. I still have a, a portion of total buy-in that does consulting. But luckily, I've been able to put together an incredible team that now does all of the safety stuff for me. And I just need to be the voice and the face of the company. And now we've been able to pivot into the speaker training so that it's no longer just a safety um, focus where we're training people to do better 
toolbox talks and safety meetings, where now we can actually say, okay, what is your message? What, is, what are you actually trying to communicate? And tie people's messaging into their values and now train people to public speak, regardless of whether or not it's for safety or if it's for a boardroom or for, if it's for TEDx talks, whatever that happens to be. So it's been a really cool evolution with Total Buy-in and an absolute labor of love. And I've, I've, I'm overjoyed with the exponential growth that we've seen in the company over the last six years. And I, I'm curious uh, to ask you, uh, if there's any particular one story based on the pivot that you uh, just described that had m most uh, impacted you personally. Um, yeah, actually. So when I, one of the reasons why I was so motivated to pivot the company to making sure that everyone could tell their stories instead of just concentrating on the safety, I worked with an incredible woman um, Aditi Loveridge, who runs um, a, a very unique charity that specializes in uh, early pregnancy and infant loss. So any mother who has had a miscarriage or has lost a child early on in that child's life, uh, that's devastating. It is, uh, I couldn't even imagine what that feels like, the emptiness that, that those women must must go through and then and as a partner what their you know husbands or loved ones or spouses would have to to go through and so aditi had this great mission uh, because she had had suffered a, a loss and she wanted to make sure that she had the support and resources available for other women so that they didn't have to go through similar situations as she did but she couldn't get her message out um, and it's not that she couldn't, she had all the tools, she had all the abilities. She's one of the most charismatic and articulate people you'll ever meet in your entire life, but she just wasn't sure around the actual structuring of her message and more specifically how vulnerable that she needed to get. She wouldn't get raw. She wouldn't talk about her own story. And so when we stripped it down, we got her to speak about why it was important to her and really expose the loss that she had, um, experienced. And as soon as she was able to do that, suddenly people gravitated to her. She was able to find donors and supporters of her space. She was able to grow her space from a very small venue to a, a massive office. She was able to get uh, people to donate time to come and be counseling resources for her. And she was able to find the, the clients, the people who needed her help, because instead of trying to tuck the pain away and, and deal with it on their own or suffer in silence. They had an advocate who was saying, I've, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I want to help you. We have resources. Don't suffer in silence. It's the worst thing you can do. And as soon as she was able to do that, her, the entire charity, just exponential growth, expanded almost overnight. And as soon as I saw the impact that that had, because I'm just, I'm just a guy who's an actor. You know what I mean? I, I don't have really any struggle, but I have this one gift. I have this gift to be able to perform and to be able to communicate to people. But I know people who can have real social impact like Aditi or like Tanel. And so to be able to train them so that they can reach an audience and actually have, do good in the world, that's how I'm going to do good in the world. And that's as soon as I made that connection, A, I was able to really articulate my message as well. 
And now I'm able to help people. And that's what brings me joy. That's what makes my work rewarding. That's why I get up and, and do these interviews so that I can meet people like you, Kevin, and be like, this is what's important. Say your message. You know, like I, I, I know that I'm doing the right thing because I will do this 24 hours a day to help people spread their message. You know, Tyler, when I worked at uh, the YMCA, I had a sign and a quote that I came up with that I put on a poster above my desk and said that we're all given a platform to make a measurable difference in life and that we have to de de decide where, where we're going to make that difference. So I can certainly relate to that messaging as well. And I want to uh, thank you for sharing that story. And I'm Curious to finally ask you, what do you think you're most grateful for in life? And I'm wondering also if you've given any thought to your own personal or professional legacy and how you want that to be defined. I, I have actually. So it, it's a driving factor with me. I have a five-year-old daughter and she will be my legacy first and foremost. So my book is dedicated to her. I want to make sure that she grows up in a world where she knows that her voice matters, that she never feels that she has to silence herself or change an opinion, that she can formulate her own thought and that she can express herself freely. And my, I want to be known, my legacy is that I have helped people be able to make change. I know, you know, I have this fantasy of having a, a wing, a building at a university, hopefully University of Calgary. Um, I want to have enough money that I can give to a foundation that I can have a building named after my family and dedicated to my father that encourages entrepreneurial spirit that is a driving factor in making sure that people understand how to communicate effectively. And that teaches some of the soft skills that we don't give to somebody who graduates with an MBA. They have all the theoretical knowledge on the planet on how to run a business, but if they can't communicate effectively what their vision is, they, all the theoretical knowledge goes nowhere. So I want to, I want to empower people to communicate. So, I mean, I would, I would love to be known as the person who made sure that the world was heard. I want to make sure that um, my father is remembered. He passed away when I was six years old and I, I, I really want to leave a legacy in his name. And I want to make sure that the world is a better place for my daughter because she will be my living legacy. What Kenzie does will reflect me. So I want to make sure that she has everything, every skill, every opportunity to go out and change the world and shape it in the manner in which she sees. And that will mean that I was successful. Absolutely. You know, we always want to leave a, a positive foundation for the next generation. Absolutely. And Tyler, if uh, anyone wants to uh, get connected with you personally, what's the best way that they can do that? The absolute best way and the most encouraged is to go to seantylerfoley.com. So Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com. And you can learn all about me. Uh, there's links to Total Buy-In. There's links to the book. There's links to all of our training programs there. 
But if you just want to know about me, SeanTylerFoley.com. And for all of your listeners, if they want, right on the main landing page, there's a, a little link to the method, which is an 11 page uh, document that has five insider secrets for public speaking that I've learned over the last 35 years. It's free to all your listeners to download and it would be uh, my absolute pleasure and gift to have them take a look at that. Fantastic, Tyler. What a great way to end my week. You know, you're my uh, sixth podcast interview for the week and I couldn't figure a better way to end my week than having a conversation with you. I really want to thank you for having uh, um, made time in your schedule to talk to me today for your time and insights and for joining me. It's most appreciated. Well, from one connect to another, Kevin, this was the highlight of my week and I appreciate it so much to have the opportunity to come on and speak to your audience. So thank you for having me.